0: So we're talking about church this morning. What's the big deal about church? And we're trying to learn who the church is, what it really is. Is it just like, well, there's Anchor Church here, and there's a Calvary Chapel here, and there's New Hope. No, it's not about local churches, it's a fact that the church is a movement, right? It's bigger than just some location or place or institution. We're actually a movement of people that follow Jesus. We believe in his message. We, we're full of the Holy Spirit. He changes lives. And we're trying to spread that message to everybody else in this world because there's a lot of problems out there. If you look at the title of the sermon this morning, I, I chose the words, the church has better solutions. To answer the question, what's the big deal about church? Well, one of the things about church is that the church has better solutions. That sounds like, oh, is that arrogant, is that prideful to say? No, it's absolute truth, because it's not about the people in the church. It's the message that we carry, amen? amen? That we have a message of eternal life, but more than just eternal life, like accept Jesus, and when you go to heaven, some you know, when you die someday, you'll go to heaven. It's more than just a message of eternal life. It's actually a message of a better life, that we actually have a message that says, God gives us solutions that are better than the solutions that we come up with on our own or the solutions that are out there in the world. Can anybody agree with that one? Amen, amen. You guys here this morning? Come on, Anchor Church, you guys awake? You guys ready? So listen to this. The other day I was driving. Here's an example of, of God's solutions are better and left to my own human nature like you, all of us, our own solutions we come up with always seem to fall short of God's best, right? So the other day I'm driving into town, Poly Highway, coming down. And you know the, the lanes where you have to go right and merge onto the on-ramp that goes onto H1 freeway? You guys know what I'm talking about, going down Poly and turning. Okay, so I'm driving, and I'm kind of jet lagging still from Japan, so I'm not super aware of all that's going on. But I'm driving down there, and there's this car that's trying to get into the right lane, the lane that I'm in, right, because we want to merge onto the freeway. And whenever I see cars that are coming in, to try to like merge into my lane for whatever reason, like this is kind of where my Christianity falters a little bit. Can I be honest with you? Some of you guys are the same, so don't laugh too hard. But it's the kind of deal. Whenever I see someone trying to merge over and get in, you know what I do? Come on, speed up, right? Like, nope. You can get in behind me, like right? Like you're not getting in in front of me. I don't know why I'm like that. Like I'm working on it. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. But. This is, I'm confessing to you, this is like my Christianity like goes out the window when I get into traffic sometimes. And it's bad. But here's my solution is when someone wants to get in, I speed up and I block them, right? And I'm like, you can get in behind me. It's cool. Like, just I'm ahead of you, right? And so as this person is coming, I didn't notice because I wasn't fully aware. So I'm just minding my own business, not really looking around. And whoop, they swooped in right on me. I was like, oh no. And I like I could feel it already. My solution to that some that type of a situation coming out is usually anger, and I'm like, ugh, and I've got words, and luckily my windows are rolled up, and you know, I'm like, ah, and as soon as they pull in, you know what I see on the side of their car? Anchor church sticker. I'm like, hey, how you doing? It's all good, you know? Because <laughs> Because the left to my own nature and my own solutions is anger, and you guys are laughing, but I know some of you guys are worse than me. Like someone does that to you, you don't just get angry, you tell them they're number one. You know what I'm saying, like Ichiban, you're awesome. No, that's our natural tendency, and our natural solutions to life's problems fall short. Sometimes they're okay, sometimes they're like temporary, sometimes they're downright terrible, and the church, we should be about having better solutions. I heard. the extreme that Pastor Rob told me a story. Someone in this church said they were driving in Kaneohe and they got into some kind of a conflict or something with another driver so bad that right by Castle High School, they both pulled both their cars over on the side of the road. You know that's trouble already, right? You can't solve it by just yelling in traffic, but you literally have to stop. Car doors are opening. Guys are getting out and the guy was ready to whatever, his own solution to the problem and he goes, oh no, he recognized the guy from Anchor Church. Oh, Hey, how's it, about? Like, oh, whoosh, back in the car, like, drive away, right? Because it's, it gets so bad on our own, they almost got into confrontation, and then they recognize, dang, that guy sits like three rows over from me at 10 a.m. Like, You know, like, they recognize them. And here's my point is, sometimes we just do the dumbest things because the world has all these solutions. Here's, here's the, the crux of the matter, what I'm talking about today is, the world is full of problems. The church should be known for better solutions. Amen. Like we are God's people. We should be known for having better solutions than what the world is all about because the church started off as a movement of people that believed in this guy named Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the son of God, He came to this earth. He not only preached this awesome, new, different, just disruptive message that he actually was a son of God, but he backed it up with miracles. healed people and he raised people from the dead and he delivered people from demonic oppression and all of this stuff and people were just were intrigued and they were following him and then he died and people weren't unsure what they weren't sure what's going on like maybe it's over maybe he wasn't really who he said he was and then the most incredible thing ever happened is God literally raised the man from the dead and he walked around for 40 days around the community proving and showing everybody like it's really me I'm back you guys all saw me hanging on that cross but I'm actually here, I am the son of God, and this small group of people decided, we're going to follow that guy, I mean, that's a smart group of people, right, anybody that says, hey, I'm going to die and come back, and then pulls it off, like, I'm following that guy, you know what I'm saying, like, oh my gosh, you did that, that's incredible, and so they followed him, and then he said, I got to go back to heaven, going up to be with the father, I'm going to get the place ready for you when you come someday, but while I'm gone, I'm not leaving you. Pastor Rob said this morning, I won't leave you or forsake you because I'm gonna put my Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of Jesus in every single one of my followers. And so this group of people, this church, it wasn't a location, it wasn't just a people group, it was a people that anybody that's willing to accept this message was on a mission with a crazy message that says Jesus is real, he can change your life, he really rose from the dead and he's got power to do incredible things in this world to save you from yourself Give you eternity in heaven and they went out on mission and they changed the world and Paul had had was was their biggest hater you heard about this in, in the message a couple weeks ago he became the biggest champion for the faith then they went around spreading the gospel everywhere and they had solutions to life's problems that the world didn't have and then you guys know the fall of Rome came and the gospel spread and 2,000 years later we're here in church and we're part of the church we're part of this movement And the question is, does the church really matter, though? This is what I want to talk about today, is what's the big deal about church? And do we really have better solutions to life's problems than the world of people around us? Like, what if the church ceased to exist today? Like, what if God's people just disappeared? And what if man was just left to his own choices? A lot of us would think, well, really, are we making that big of a difference? Like, are we making that big of an impact? Like, wouldn't people just get along okay, and they'd still exist, and life would still be, it's still sorted out, right? Isn't, isn't human nature good? And I want to kind of answer that question today with scripture. But I also want to give you an interesting example of this guy did this study on Christianity. Well, he did it on America. He's writing a book. Let me just read to you about this guy named David Aikman. He's a former Beijing bureau chief for Time magazine in China. And he's a reporter, lecturer at Harvard, author of all these books. And he was going to write a book on China, he just wanted to write a book like on China, how, they're, how they think, how they operate, their religious system, economic, everything. And he came across this group of scientists in China, scientists. listen to this, researchers from the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. They were hired by their government to find out one question, and this is their question. What is it that makes America great? Why is America a superpower? They're just trying to figure out China's population is growing. They're taking on global power in in economics and business and all this. And they're coming to power and they're going, what's the secret sauce of America? Why is America so great? Why are they such a superpower? And we would scoff and we would go, oh, we're a mess. What are you kidding? But the reality is we are a superpower in the global scale. And China hired these people to try to figure out what it was that made us such a great nation for the past 200 years or however long we've been around. And here's their findings, this is really in- interesting here. This is the quote right from the book. These guys are like, don't mention our names because Christianity is illegal in China, but here's what we found out about, Christi- about America. It says, we studied everything we could from the historical, political, economic, and cultural perspective. Chinese guys, scientists studying America. At first, we thought it was because you had more powerful guns than we had. Like, you got nuclear bombs, you got smart bombs, you got all this really, maybe you're just the big bully on the block, and that's why you're so great. And they said, no, that wasn't it. Then we thought it was because you had the best political system. Really? (laughs) Let's think about that one just for a minute. And then they're like, no, that's clearly not it. Um, Then it said, we focused on your economic system. But in the past 20 years, the book was written in 2003, in the past 20 years, we've realized that the heart of your culture is your religion, Christianity. That is why the West has been so powerful. Isn't this interesting? That These guys, they're not Christians. They're clearly not. They're from China, communist thoughts and all of this, Maoist you know, religion and all this. And they're saying, we studied everything about your country for 20 years, and here's why we think America is actually so great. It's because the foundation of your country rests in this religion of yours, Christianity. You realize that 70% of Americans would say they're Christian. Now, we know that there's all different shapes and sizes and what people call themselves of Christians, but nevertheless, it doesn't dispute the fact that our country was founded on a principle and and leading ideology and laws that were filtered through the Bible, through scripture, through God's best for mankind. And so we are a Christ-based Uh, nation as far away as we've slipped and not this is what these guys are saying so what does that mean to me that it, it says to me it means to me that the church is very relevant the church does matter that we as the followers of Jesus Christ we do have solutions that other people are looking at and the way we do business and the way we do things and our integrity and our justice and our community and our humility and our love for one another that we take for granted in America we think everyone's like that But China's going, no, we looked at all these nations and something that made you great is this. And so it's just interesting to see. And so the Apostle Paul, when we look at scripture, he actually takes a crack at it. He explains it really well. And he goes, you know, mankind left to their own natural tendencies, their own devices, they're actually not good. We actually aren't good. That's what China's saying is like, no, you have something that's better solutions than just the world and humanity making their own solutions. And so Paul actually calls this, normal nature that we would say human nature, he actually calls it sinful nature. The reason he calls it sinful nature is is because he learned, he knows, actually science and studies tell us this, is that we are not inherently good, our normal human nature. And that if, if left to our own devices, we will always degrade and go towards bad things that are disruptive and bad for us. It may take time, it may be immediately, but we always choose the wrong path eventually. And the Bible says that everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And left to ourselves, we, we ruin ourselves. We get ourselves in trouble. And so Paul is making a statement here in this passage, so strong, where he's he's kind of comparing two things. He's, he's comparing what we would say is normal human nature and we're all pretty good and we all sort things out and work it all out, come up with our own solutions, to... Life in the spirit, which is the Holy Spirit that gives us better solutions to all of life's problems. And he's saying, be led by the spirit. Don't fall into thinking that you're good enough on your own. He contrasts it. He calls it sinful because the word sinful, like we come to church, we hear the word sin. We think it's like, it's evil, it's dark, it's bad, it's the the worst, it's perversion, it's corruption, it's all of that. It is all of that, but it doesn't necessarily mean evil. What sin really means is, I've told you this before, it's an archery term. It's like you're shooting a bow at a a target, an arrow. Not a bow. You use a bow to shoot an arrow, right? (laughs) Nobody caught that but me. You guys are slow. Shooting an arrow at a target, and you miss the mark. You miss the bullseye. And sin, in spiritual terms, is basically, is we're shooting for God's best in our life, but we have all chosen to do our own thing, and so we missed God's perfection, and that Jesus made the way back so that we can hit that bullseye. Amen? So here's Paul going, um, I'm gonna talk to you about your own human nature and sinful nature, and this is the solutions the world offers, but let me tell you what you have, my people, Christ followers, Jesus followers, the church. You have better solutions and you need to offer them. So look at Galatians 5. He starts off and he, he basically preaches the main point of what he's talking about in the message today. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Now, it seems like so simple and easy, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, but this is one that we all struggle with because we may say, oh, I want to try and do the things the Holy Spirit tells me to do. If you say that, you're doing it wrong. If you're trying to do it because then it's you trying. Here's the key word in this phrase right here. If you have a, a highlighter or a pen or something, circle this in your Bible or in your notes or whatever. The key word in that phrase right there is let the Holy Spirit. Let. You know what let means? It means you have to make the choice to allow God to to guide your life. You have to make the choice to give him permission to do what he wants to do in your life. You basically have to surrender to him. If I read to you the next part of the passage about here's the bad stuff in the world and here's the good stuff, and you think that it's all about you trying hard to not do bad and trying hard to do good, you miss the point entirely and you're not gonna be able to succeed. The whole point to this passage, what we're getting at today in coming up with good solutions is this, it's not about you. It's about surrender and allowing the Holy Spirit to have permission in your life to do what he needs to do. Can can I make that any clearer? I have a dog that lives in my house. He's not my dog, he's my wife's dog. We don't get along. We're not that great of friends, but he wants to be my friend. I just don't I don't like his smell. His barking his like, blah. he he sneezes on me all the time. Like anybody have a dog that does that? Like we read well, why does the dog do that? Like only at me. I'm eating my food. He comes over and he's like, rah, rah. I'm like, sick, like, that's gross, Like get away from me. But we read up and it's, he's trying to make friends, I guess. They're trying to get your attention. I hate it. So anyway, there's a dog in our house named Richter. He's a small little um, chihuahua terrier. He's a small little kind of sausage-looking guy, but he's a little chubby. But he comes around, and here's the thing is we don't, I don't hang out with him all the time. We don't really get along. He's clearly my, my wife's dog. But if I do call his name Richter, you know what he does? He knows who's the alpha male in the house. So he comes straight up to me. You know what he does? Goes right down and he goes like this on his back. Like, surrender, surrender. I'm here. I submit, I submit. Like every time it's like the funniest thing. And the fatter he gets, the funnier it is because he got a little belly. Like I I learned in Japan that the word for pig is buta. So I call him buta now. Malarik, you come here. Oh, you little buta. And he's just like. Right? Every single time I call him, Richter comes along. He just, he comes right up to me, lays over, and he's just like, boom, all exposed. The reason he's doing that is he's trying to say, you're the boss. You're the king of the castle. I get it. I understand. I'm here. You know, I'm just surrendered to you. There's a picture of how Christians are supposed to live their lives with God the Father, is that we let we allow, we give permission to, we surrender to God in our lives. That's when our, our lives start to work. Not because we try to be a good boy. I'm a good boy. I'm a good boy. God, look, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing. God's going, no, just relax. Let go. Surrender to me. Let me move in your life. And I'm going to guide your thoughts, your actions. Then you're going to have solutions that this world is going to be scratching their head going, how come I come up with solutions? They don't work. These Christian people, like what, what has changed this nation What, what, where's the foundation? Christianity. You guys get what I'm saying here today? So this is a key word. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Look at verse 19. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the human nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. I mean, this is basically, if it feels good, do it. Well, God tells us that that marriage is reserved for blah, 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 man and woman in marriage and this and that, and I don't want to do it that way because I want to do what feels good, do it. Right? And God's saying, hey, that, you can do it that way, but that's not the best solution. He says, listen to this. You get led astray. Idolatry. That's when we make things more important than people or important than God. Sorcery. And, and some Bibles might say witchcraft. Really, the original word there is, is the same word that they use for hallucinogenics and pharmaceuticals. And it's saying, hey, be careful of drugs and things that take you out of your right mind. This left to your own devices, you, we want to do all this stuff hostility, quarreling, beefing with one another, jealous of things that people have, man. Jealousy is a big one. It's hard. We don't think it's big, but when someone comes up in the world and they get something and they get blessed, are you the kind of person that is like blessed for them and with them, or you got envy and jealousy? And you're like, why do they have it? They don't deserve it. I deserve it more. I, I, I know exactly the number of my close friends that all just recently bought 2017 Toyota Tacoma trucks. I know exactly which ones they are because I drive a 2006 Toyota Tacoma and I know exactly who's got the nice new truck, right? And it's a struggle for my human flesh to go, how come I don't have one? I'm jealous, I'm envious of what they have. But then the Holy Spirit that's in my life is going, man, I'm so blessed, they deserve that. What a good person, they deserve it, they say, it. I get to ride in their truck, I'm happy, I'm fine, my day will come, but I don't wanna be full of envy and jealousy and walking around bitter, because you know what it does? It builds up resentment in my life, it builds up bitterness in my life. Jesus says, you don't have to be that person, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. He goes on and he says, outbursts of anger, some of us, that's our problem, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties and other sins like these, He says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, does that mean they're like, oh, one time, one night, the other night I had too much to drink. Am I like not saved anymore? No, it's saying that if you glorify this lifestyle and you make it a lifestyle and a habit, you pursue this type of life, human nature, what feels good, do it, then your life is going to pull you away from God and you're not going to have God's best. So you know, he's, not, he's not saying if you've ever done one of these things, he's saying the people that make these kind of things a habit, it's, there's, there's a better way. And so here's the better way. Better solutions we're talking about today. Verse 22, but the Holy Spirit in contrast to that lifestyle produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, love. Real love for one another, like really caring, really being concerned, like you can tell when someone loves you genuinely, right? It's not just like lip service or whatever, but someone really loves, Holy Spirit gives that for for one another. Joy, not based on circumstances, based on the fact that you have a good God that makes you feel happy in spite of the trash that your life is right now, the mess that your life is. It's not based on circumstances, it's like, he gives me joy, even though I'm dealing with this? How's that possible? Like the world doesn't get it. It comes from the Holy Spirit. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And he says there's no law against these things. That means... There's no limit to these things. You can't overdo them. There's not gonna come a point where you need to tone down your patience. Hey, Carl, you're being too, you're practicing too much goodness. Like, you need to knock that off. Like, there's a limit to your goodness. Like, no one's ever gonna tell you to stop having joy. You know what I'm saying? Like, the Holy Spirit is saying, you can't get it enough. There's no law against these things. He wants to stir up more and more of this in you because it blesses the world around you. And he says, this is a big point. Those who belong to Jesus Christ Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Now this is a big deal because if you're taking notes, this might apply to you, is don't give life to what's meant to be dead. I'll say that again. Don't give life to what's meant to be dead in your life. Because it says, as Christians, that we've nailed all of our old sinful nature to the cross of Christ. That Jesus died for them and they're supposed to stay dead in our lives. And that if we start to let like certain uh, 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 desires and some of these things, that were jealousy and anger, creep back in, we're giving life to something that we crucified with Christ at the cross and they need to stay dead in our life so that we can live the fruitful life that he's talking about here. I look at it like this. Is I had a meeting yesterday with all of the, like the homeowners in my little um, townhouse complex in Kailua. And they're talking about tenting all the buildings because termites come, you know, like you know in Hawaii you can't get away from termites, right? You constantly have to deal with the battle. We live in like a tropical area, and so bugs just come and roaches. Anybody experiencing roaches a lot lately in your houses? Like, oh my gosh, like we got the big ones, and like usually I can like take them out, and it's like no problem, but they're getting like resilient, they're getting tough. Like they're getting attitude with me, right? The roaches, like used to be I turn the lights on, and what happens? They scatter, right? I turn the lights on right now, and they're just like, what? They're like eating my bread, like, what? Right? And I'm like, oh, no. I get the slipper off, I come at them, I'm like, ah! And they're just like, bring it, bro. Come at me. I'm like, whoa, what's going on? Like the roaches are getting nuts. And so we're talking about we're going to tent pretty soon. And we're coming up with the day and the company and taking bids and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, oh, I I love when we tent. We tented before. Fumigate, wipes every bug out, kills everything dead in your house. You come like the next day or whatever the air airs out, you come in and all of those tough guys are dead. What now, huh, uh, sucker, right? They're just dead, uh, and I'm so stoked because everything is dead, termites are dead, roaches, everything is, your house is just super clean. It's, it's really awesome. But how dumb would it be, how ridiculous would it be if I were to walk by a week later and be cruising by my garage and see like a little roach or a little termites or whatever and then go, oh no hey guys, I'm so sorry we like wiped out your whole family. Like I'm super, you know what, come here, buddy. Why don't you come right back in my house and have some butter, you know, like just cruise and just relax. That would be so dumb of me, right? Ridiculous. You wouldn't never do that. But why do we do that with the sinful desires in our life? I nailed those to the cross of Christ. They're done, they're dead, and then I wake up in the morning and I got a wandering eye or I get tempted to go do this or I I start to bring back, in. you know what I'm doing? I'm giving life to something that's meant to be dead. The word today is just don't give life to something that's supposed to stay dead in your life. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's go on a little bit because all of this to say is that Paul is saying we have better solutions. We have the Holy Spirit living in every one of us. We don't just carry the message of eternal life. We carry the message of a better life. Like it's actually good. Some people think I become a Christian because then when I die, I get to go to heaven. That's part of it. But the other part of it says that we're meant to live a life of abundance, right? John 10, 10, the enemy, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, but I've come to give you life, life in abundance. And that's not just the end of your life, second life, but it's right here and right now we have better solutions. So I wanna give you guys a few contrasting, what does this look like in everyday life? I wanna talk about a few problems that we all have, that we struggle with, and let's contrast a little bit of what does human nature solutions look like Versus the Holy Spirit better solutions in our life. Because I don't want to give you stuff today that it's a good thought and you go, that's right, that's good, it makes sense, Holy Spirit gives us better decisions. I don't want to just give you the what, I want to give you the how a little bit today. I want you to walk out of here today and go, man, I have this problem, oh, Pastor Carl talked about that, the Word talks about that. This is how I can act it out in my life, amen? I don't ever want you to come to church and just have learned something. I always want you to come to church with something that you can take home, you can apply to your life, your life is changed and made better because you interacted with the body of Christ and with the word of God. Amen? Amen. It's supposed to change us, not just like give us good information. So here's the first problem that a lot of us experience is anger. Now anger, when anger rises up, here's what I think. The the human nature solution would be that we're going to get revenge, Something made us angry, we're gonna get it back, him back, her back, whatever, and we react quickly. That's our natural response to anger. And I think this, one of the things that gets us into trouble most about anger is not our actions or the action of anger, it's our reaction. You guys get what I'm saying? Is like someone brings offense to you, uh, 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 they offend you, they do something to hurt you, and you react wrong. See, I think it's the reaction that's wrong, not the action. Like, nobody's walking around all day not most people anyway, just like, I'm mad and I'm just gonna hit somebody. I'm mad and you're gonna get it. I'm mad, I'm, I'm angry and I'm just an angry person. Like mean, most people aren't, it's not the action of anger, it's the fact that you're having a good, fine day and everything's going good and someone cuts you off in traffic and then I have the decision to make. Am I gonna react quickly? Am I gonna blow up Am I gonna get angry or I'm gonna say, no, the guy's just trying to get in because he's trying to get on the freeway. I don't know who that was that had the anchor sticker. You might be here today. God bless you. Like, I'm not mad at you. I'm just letting you know that I have the choice to react. You guys get what I'm saying here today? So anger, natural reaction is we react on it quickly and yet here comes a better solution that the Holy Spirit gives. Here's a better solution that the, the word of God gives. James 1.19, be quick to listen, be slow to speak and be slow to get angry in other words, tone it down like simmer down Carl like drive nicer You know, like be better because you have the Holy Spirit in you that's a better solution than what the world would say no that's justified man, you got cut off, get mad at him yeah, but that's not how the Holy Spirit operates we're supposed to have love and we're supposed to have patience for one another in the area of anger here's the a, here's a second thing we struggle with pride and selfishness and this is probably the root of all of it Pride and selfishness, which is basically me, me first, my way or the highway, it's all about me. Vanity, I've got to look the best. Ego, it's all about me. But the problem with this is when we respond to pride and selfishness the human nature way, this is what we do to treat other people. We either criticize, judge, talk down on other people, or we ignore them altogether. and the reason is so I can look better and feel better about myself. Compare ourselves and make everybody else inferior, and we're better. And that's the human nature. The, the normal what humans would do is, oh man, I'm feeling insecure and I've got pride, so this is what I do, make everybody else feel junk, view everybody else wrongly so that I can look better. And we have to be careful with this. We, we get hoarding and we get we get stingy and we get greedy and it's all about us. And then we, we think well, that's a great solution. Well, the reality is, it's a terrible solution. People don't want to be your friend anymore. You isolate yourself. Like, like nobody wants to have a relationship with you because you're the God of your own life. You're the best that you can do in your own life. And I read this quote the other day. It was really interesting. It was in a speech by George W. Bush. We haven't heard from him in a long time, yeah? He's like been laying low. I don't know what he's doing, like just hanging out. But George W. Bush, and I'm not going political on you guys. I'm not that kind of a pastor, or we're not that kind of a church. Here's what I believe about church and politics is, is church is here to instruct your spiritual life. Church is here to draw you closer to Jesus so that you can make educated, spiritual, Bible-based God decisions on how to vote, on how to live your life, on how to manage your family, on how to do life at work. I'm never going to be the guy rallying behind different people or dissing different people. Does that make sense to you? I think our, our job here is, as Christians is to know God and his values and, and who he is and, and, and having discernment in our life to go out in the world and make the right decisions. So I just want to be careful because we could turn the church into a whole arena that it's not meant to be. It's supposed to be a bunch of followers just following God and learning how to act that out in every area of our lives. So I'm not trying to get political. George W. Bush, doesn't matter who he is. He's just a guy that said a really good quote, okay? So can you you hear a good quote today? You want to hear a good one? Listen to this. He says, too often we judge other groups by their worst examples while judging ourselves by our best intentions, forgetting the image of God that we should see in each other. See, what he's trying to say is too many times we're so quick, our pride, to believe the worst about everybody. And they're not really there. Just believe the worst about everybody and believe the best about ourselves. The reality is they're actually not that bad and you're actually not that good. I'm sorry to tell you this, but you're not as good as you think you are, amen? Like, the the world out there is, we're all different shapes and sizes and different personalities and all of this stuff, but we're all created in the image of God. We all have incredible potential to do great things, and God loves us, right? Even those, well, they're not Christians. Yeah, but they could be if you acted a little better, if you loved them a little better instead of judging them, that you might bring them to Jesus Christ, so I think somewhere in the middle, we need to get off of our high horse with pride and selfishness and realize we're all just trying to get along and Jesus is the answer and we're all sinners in need of a savior, amen? And so we need to have that kind of a, uh, listen, Hawaii is known for something, I don't know if you guys are aware of, called the Aloha Spirit. Ever heard of it? Right? (laughs) We know that it's incredible. Hawaii is known for the Aloha Spirit, it's the love, it's community, it's humility, it's like, like it, it, you know how they say it takes a village to raise a kid, and we all are raising each other's kids, because they're at the house all the time, we're just loving everybody, we're generous, it's just, it's hospitality, it's greatest, and it's unique to Hawaii, I'll be honest with you, is it I've been around the world, a lot of people around the world, there's a lot of nice people, but Hawaii is amazing, the aloha spirit, when you really tap into it, we're, we're blessed, we're super blessed. And someone just in the military moved up recently, been on island about a month, and they said, hey, we really love that aloha spirit thing that you guys are. That aloha vibe, it's pretty cool. It's tangible, it's real. We love being in Hawaii now because we feel it. And I think, man, that's awesome. I wish every state had that kind of a, a spirit. But here's the deal. We have something better than the aloha spirit, and it's called the Holy Spirit, right? As every Christian We are supposed to be known for better solutions, for better love, for better hospitality, for better community. And if you're a Christian in Hawaii, double whammy. Aloha spirit, Holy Spirit, boom, we win, right? How good is that? But we're supposed to be about blessing other people and sharing, not pride and selfishness. Here's another issue that we all deal with and what it looks like in real life. Should I go with my human nature or should I go with my godly nature, the better solution? Stress. This is a big one. How many of you guys walked into church this morning and you could honestly say, I'm stressed out in my life right now? Okay, five of us. We better form a little support group. We better form like celebrate recovery. We're like in stress. Like only if you, literally, how many of you guys have something to stress about in your life right now? Come on. Let me just start naming some stuff and I'll plant some seed. Your work. Ah, your finances. Your kids. Kids, your parents, right? Like your next door neighbor. Your spouse. Don't say it, but I know some of you guys are like, we stress, right? It's heavy. And how would we handle it in the norm? Well, there's different things we do. Sometimes we just blow up. Ah! you know, we, we can't contain it. And that's a terrible solution to a problem. We end up hurting more people. Sometimes we bottle it up, right? Sometimes people will tell us, just push through, just push through. And you're like, I'm, I've been pushing for years. It's not working. So sometimes we just go, no, I'm just going to hold it in. This will pass. The season is coming. Bottle it up, bottle it up. You know what happens then? Is you go, you go serial killer mode one day, like that's crazy, that's scary. Or you go into anxiety and panic attacks and depression and, and isolating yourself because you just, you're trying to manage, I got this, I'm strong enough, I'm good. That's the world's solution to stress, isn't it? But here's God's solution to stress, which I love. It's found in First Peter 5, 7. Give all your worries and cares and burdens, anxieties, stress, all of that to God, for he cares about you. Here's the word for some of you today, and I apply this in my life every single day, release and rest. You need to release that stuff to God. He's asking for it, hey, give it to me, I'll take it. He's not going, well, if it gets too much, maybe I'll step in and help, no. The word of God here is saying, just give it all to God. Just release it all. Some of you guys are, you're wound up too tightly because you're holding it, you're managing it, and you aren't supposed to because you're a Christian. That means you're someone that allows your life, you give permission to let go, to surrender, To release that stuff to God. Today, some of you need to go home tonight, get with God in your quiet time, your quiet area, and just go, God, here's all the stuff I've been holding. Forgive me. Just let me give it to you. And just vent to the Lord and give it to Him. And then rest. God's all about Old Testament, New Testament, Sabbath and Selah. Both of those words mean take a break, take a rest, get some time to do the hobbies you like to do. Get some time to read your word. Get some time with your family. Just get some time to rest. That's the godly solutions that you and I need to be living with but not only that, we're offering the world around us because we the church have better solutions. Here's the next one is making mistakes. If you've ever hurt someone or hurt yourself because you did something dumb you you said the wrong words, you hurt someone you offended someone or you fell into temptation, you did something to hurt yourself and your walk with God and you know it and the problem is is that when we (coughs) acted out in our own human nature, the kind of answers that we come up with are this: denial. This is a big one. Uh, it's not. It's not really that big of a deal. Or we just straight up lie. No, I didn't do that. I didn't do that, right? You cover cover all tracks. So no, that wasn't me. That was the other guy. Or we lie about it, or we're just like, it wasn't that big of a deal. Don't get so upset. It's minor. It's a, I got it. I'm in control of this thing. I can handle it. I can manage it, right? You hurt someone else. You hurt yourself. You shift the blame sometimes. Well, you started it. Your fault anyway you're more wrong, I'm a little wrong, but no, actually, you're all wrong, right? And we just put it on somebody else, we start building up resentment against somebody else, then we have to live with ourselves, because we can lie to people, and we can lie to all those around us, but you gotta wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and you know what you did. You can't You can't hide from God, sometimes it pulls us away from church, from fellowship, sometimes we just fall into depression and we start hating ourselves, and this this making mistakes thing is a, is a big deal, we, we live with shame. And here's a better solution that the Bible teaches us, the Holy Spirit teaches, that we should admit that we've done wrong. Just own it. It's the hardest, scariest thing in the world sometimes to admit that we actually make mistakes. But when you do, and you confess that you've done it, and you actually apologize for it, and then what you start to feel is this freedom, and then you make it better. You reconcile. So you admit it, you confess it, you repent, and then you reconcile it before God. You know that feeling of when you know you did something wrong, but you don't want to deal with it. You, sh- you sweep it under the rug. You walk around all the time thinking about that thing. You're like, ah, you're mad. You don't know who to get mad at. You know you got to be mad at yourself because you did it, but you're just like, you don't want to even take that. You deny it. And you just live with that junk feeling. And the moment, the second you come to someone and you just go, hey, I own what I did, madam. I'm sorry I hurt you the other day. I, I totally see that. I know here's my reasons why and whatever, but no excuses like I did something. I hurt you. I messed up. I made a mistake. Can you forgive me? The minute, the second, the, the microsecond that you do that, you know what happens? You're lifted. The burden is gone. You're not carrying around the guilt, the shame, the resentment, the bitterness anymore. You're walking around free. and you're, Can you forgive me? And then you make it right with that person or with yourself or with God is you become free and you live life Freely and lightly. It's, it's it's a good thing. That's the solution the Holy Spirit gives us. And in the area of confusion, listen, this is a big one that people in the world deal with. Uh, they don't know what decision to make. I mean, big relationships, big purchases on things, like direction for schooling, education, like like your career. Confusion is a real deal. And, and human reaction, human natural solution that we're talking about human nature is, is what do you do to get advice? You listen Listen to all kind of random opinions, don't you? Like you you wanna like, hey, should I buy this? Should I date this person? Should I do this? And you just start listening to anybody and everybody because you don't know who to believe. And you're watching like the, the guys on TV with the, like the self-help programs and buy 18 of my books and CDs and, and like, I'll make you like me, a millionaire. and You'll make all the right decisions. And you're like, well, OK, I'm going to sign up. Here's like $400 or whatever. You listen to your friends giving you advice or you, you read articles or the media is telling you one thing or not, and you make random, weird decisions because you're confused or you get led by emotions. You make wrong decisions because you're confused because it's whatever you're feeling at the time. Anybody in here, would you say that you're an impulsive shopper? Anybody? Come on, you walk into Target for like a loaf of bread, you walk out with a moped. Like, well, I don't, I don't even know. Like, what? How how did this happen? Right? Like, you're impulsive. And I think that we got to be careful because we date impulsively. Oh, but the girl's so, so hot. So yeah, we totally hooked up, and that's my girlfriend now. Oh, what do you guys have in common? Hopes and dreams? No, I don't know. She doesn't really even talk, but she's super hot. What? Right? Confusing. We like make dumb decisions, impulsive shopping, things like that. Here's the solutions that the Word of God gives us. The Holy Spirit gives us Romans 12:2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. There's that word again. Let. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, God's solutions are always better. You're a carrier of God's solutions. We have the message not just of eternal life, the message of a better life, not only for our sake to live out, but we impact the world around us. That's what China says about the United States. It's your Christian stuff, that that Christian deal that you do. It's, it's made a difference in how great you are. But here's the greatest Oh, to me proof in my life a couple months ago I was driving around my daughter my oldest 19 Kylie and she I was just talking with her and I, and I was I'm really I watch my kids and I'm very interested in how they turned out as human beings like I want them to be successful and good and everything and I, I scratch my head sometimes and I'm like I was a youth pastor for like 15 years like I know how teenagers are so I asked my daughter I'm like how how come you and Isaac Isaac's 16 she's 19 how come you guys are good kids? Like, what's going on? Like, how did that happen? Like, what can you tell me? Because I see you, the way you interacted with each other and your friends, and they're not perfect, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to preach like, I have perfect kids. But to be teenagers, where they're at in life, to not have struggled with all the stuff that teenagers normally struggle with, the extra stuff, the, the drugs and drinking and partying and girls and guys and sleeping around and just doing all, there's just a lot of stuff, and and just, I know I was a youth pastor forever. I, I counseled so many kids and their parents against all this. And I'm like, how did you turn out? Because pastors' kids generally aren't known for being the best kids. You guys know that, right? Like I, I, I'm living proof, right? Like I was a teenager once, and and it feels too much like oh the religion and this and that, and so you rebel. And so I asked her, I'm like, how come you guys aren't like that? Like I. You're awesome. I'm like so thankful. I'm like blessed. You love Jesus. You're active in the church. You're actually just good. You're the kind that the parents are all calling us and saying, "I'm so glad that my son or daughter is friends with your son or daughter." I'm like, well, how did that happen? Because I don't think I'm the greatest parent in the world. I'm really not. And and Kylie said, "Oh yeah, Dad, you're not." I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> but she said this. She goes, but. You weren't the kind of dad that forced like Christianity on us, religion, and, and look, to each his own. Everybody raises their kids different, personalities, households, I get that. But she, for her, she's saying, you didn't force us to do, like, 20-minute devotions every morning, and you never made us do all of this, and you never forced us to do this. You and mom just, like, you did ministry, and you just, you lived your lives as Christians. Like, what you taught, like, you actually lived it out. And we've had some problems in our family we went through some really rough seasons and she said me and Isaac just like watch the way you handle it and you guys always pray and we get into fights but everybody always makes up and God is the answer and we pray a lot and miracles have happened in our family and we've seen it and we've known it and we know that you love God and basically what we're saying is like we see that it works like Jesus works Christianity works in your life and we just Isaac and I both love Jesus and we want to because we've seen that it works in our family's dynamic. And that, look, I could, I don't want to say it this way, but I could almost care less about what everybody else thinks and the uh, influence I have on everybody else. If I can't influence my kids in the right direction, that's the most meaningful thing to my, my life. So just that conversation I had in knowing that my kids say, we've just saw you and mom work it out and you lived it. And God works. God works. Like we have better solutions because of Jesus. If I can say anything to you guys this morning is just remember that the world is full of all kinds of problems and it's got all kinds of solutions. But you church, you individual followers of Jesus Christ, you have better solutions and you need to start taking them on your own life, but you can change the lives of people around you as you share those solutions. Is that a good word for you this morning? Let's bow our heads, let's pray. Lord, thank you for a good word. Thank you for the encouragement, God, that we have a job to do. And Lord, that we can say it without pride or arrogance that we have better solutions to life's problems than the world around us seems to offer. So Lord, I pray that we would take advantage of those solutions, that we would surrender, we would allow ourselves to be led and guided by the Holy Spirit in our lives, that we would stop trying so hard to be good people and we would just allow you to make us into good, godly people, that we would just surrender and submit to where you're leading us and calling us. And Lord, that we'd be so contagious with it that the world around us would have solutions, they would seek our help, they would find Jesus because they see that we have better answers, better solutions to all of life's problems. Thank you, God, for this word this morning that I pray would encourage a lot of us and challenge us to action. And I wanna pray right now for a few people in this room. A lot of us, we already know Jesus, we know the goodness of letting the Holy Spirit control our lives, and we've been followers of Jesus for a while, but maybe some of you in this room today You've never been a Christian before. Or maybe you thought you were, but you're not really sure. Or you've heard about God, but you just, you don't know for sure. But what you heard today, for some reason, it draws you to want to make the conclusion and the decision to follow Jesus Christ, to really be all in, to really surrender and say, God, I want to do things your way from here on out. And God's not going to ruin your life or embarrass you or judge you. He's just going to help you make better decisions and show you what it is to have relationship with him. But it starts with one prayer, a simple prayer, where you surrender your heart where you tell God that you believe in him and you want to follow him and he's going to begin to change everything in your heart and I want to help you with that first step here today that we would pray together and this is how we're going to do it I'm going to lead you in a prayer and I'll pray it out loud I won't make you pray it out loud I want you to just make this a sincere prayer of your heart right now but you would pray the words that I say out loud you'd pray them in your heart of hearts God sees it he judges you on your heart and he's going to begin to change your life and then after service you can tell the people you came with or people that have been praying for you, whatever. You can tell them that you became a Christian, that you prayed their prayer today. And they're gonna be excited. They're gonna help you. They're gonna give you some direction and just, just be, be blessed with you. But right now, it's between you and God. It's time for you to just come real with God and say, God, I admit it, I need you. And if there's anybody in here today, this morning, that that's a desire of your heart, everybody else's eyes are closed. Nobody's looking. You don't have to feel weird. But I'm looking. I just wanna know if I get the privilege of leading you into this prayer with Jesus Christ that will change your eternity. And so if you'd like to say this prayer with me, everybody in the room or even if you're in the, the parents' room, someone sees you or you're sitting out there in the courtyard right now, someone sees you. But if you want to pray this prayer with me right now, would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor Carl, I, I want to pray this. I want to become a Christian. I want to really know Jesus here today. Is there anybody here today? I'm looking around for hands going up. I see some hands back there. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else got a hand That you? I see a hand right over here. I see you, ma'am. Awesome. Best decision ever. Anybody else in the room as I look around? Okay. I saw a couple hands, and there may be some of you out there, or even online, watching this. But here's the prayer I want you to pray. I'm going to say it out loud, and I want you to just join with me in your heart right now to God. Here we go. God, I'm here today, and I realize that I need you in my life. I want you in my life. I'm tired of living life controlled by my own human nature. Lord, I want to be controlled by your thoughts, by your Holy Spirit, by by better decisions and better solutions for all that's going on in my life. I'm tired of carrying the burden on my own. I need some help here. Lord, I'm telling you right now that I believe in who you are. I believe in you, Jesus. You came to earth 2,000 years ago. You told us about God and how to have a relationship with him. You died and you rose again on the third day by the power of God in you. So, Lord, I believe in that message and I believe that you've given us the Holy Spirit, to help us in our lives where we fall short. So Lord, I'm telling you, God, right now, I believe in you. I believe in Jesus. I believe that you're making me into a new creation. And Lord, as I surrender to you, as I read my Bible, as I go to church, as I get water baptized, as I receive all that you have from me, that you're gonna gonna accept me as I am and you're gonna change my life and make it better, not just now, but for all eternity in heaven. Thank you for being my God from this moment and help me follow you the best I can with your help. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Can we praise God for the people that did raise their hands?